Hi folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we start. As we head into the Christmas period and the new year, I just want to thank, take the time to thank you all for your support throughout the year and ask you, if you can, to please join us in 2023. Become a member on Patreon. The link is in the podcast you're listening to right now. Uh, we have recorded our end-of-year Christmas uh, festive, whatever you want to call it, rap, uh, and we have a ton of voice notes you'll hear from the likes of... Amanola Dasandi, James and Timmy from the two Norries, Emma Langford, although she does say she is blind boy on the time, and lots more, lots, lots more, in fact. So we've lots of that coming your way. Um, they will be available on the Patreon feed as quickly as I can turn them around, and we will release them over the coming weeks. I want to thank everybody who contributed. I want to thank all, everybody who shared, liked, supported, and told people about us. We rely entirely on you listeners because we have no ads or sponsors. If you enjoyed what we did during 2022, please help us keep these mics on and conversations going into 2023. Try it for a month. Try it for January. See what you think. You get a all-in-one feed of all of our podcasts in one place, completely plea-free. Uh, it really makes all the difference. Anyway, I won't delay you any further. Enjoy what is an excellent, excellent conversation with Emily Duffy. <laughs> Welcome to Reboot Republic, the podcast that goes behind the headlines and looks at the big issues in this republic of inequality. We are the podcast of solutions and the podcast of hope, and I'm your host, Tori Hearn. Delighted to be joined today um, by Emily Duffy, who is director of the Parable Grassroots Communications Company um, and is back, uh, been on the podcast before. Emily, it's great to have you back. Great to be here. Thanks very much. We are at the end of 2022. Uh, you could possibly be hearing this in 2023, very early on. Um, or listen to it over the Christmas holidays. And it is a podcast that I think is really, really necessary. Um, we are all very, very familiar with um, the rise of the far right in Ireland, the this rise in racism, racism in anti-immigrant and anti-refugee um with organizing and of course we've seen protests in east wall against uh asylum seekers and we've seen it around the country um and very much within it playing upon concerns around housing in particular um or of course being portrayed as concerns with um refugees but in actual fact we know a lot of the the main concern from people outside of the far right is about housing and homelessness and people who are experiencing a very, very real, very real crisis and who feel absolutely abandoned by and have been abandoned um, by the government. Um, and so we're going to have a chat about that now um, and what we can do and messaging around it and communication. And because um, I know you know, our listeners will really, really are really concerned about it and really want to do something about it and want to see how can we move forward in this and, and where is it go where could it go to? Because it is deeply, deeply worrying um in terms of how we move forward as a society and as a multi ethnic, diverse society that we are and that we always yep. were in many ways. Yeah. Um so listen, Emily, do you want to tell me first in terms of what is parable uh, grassroots communications? Yeah, so I suppose but the last time I was on, I was working for Uplift um, and I was working, I pr primarily worked on public homes campaigns in yeah. Uplift. 
Um, and so I was very interested in how we speak about that. And I suppose like three or four years ago, um, I could see the start of this kind of nationalist um, narrative starting to come in in ways in Ireland where it hadn't necessarily been before in terms of in terms of how our base spoke about homes. Um, and I suppose I, I, I went and did a whole uh, piece of research around how we speak about this stuff. And then I realized that actually communications and messaging and grassroots communications, i.e. people who work in the community development sector, people who are activists, need really needed to understand how how good communications work and how our messaging needs to be more compelling than our opponents. Um, and I suppose kind of diagnosing a bit of an issue in the kind of progressive left or whatever we want to call ourselves of how we speak about things mm-hmm. and how we often repeat our opponent's frame over and over and over again. Um, so I kind of got the idea that like, well, listen, you know, the right, the near right, the conservative right and the far right have a lot of um, communications resources to pull on. They have a lot of think tanks, especially in the US that do all of this kind of research and messaging. And I was like, well, we need something for the left and we need it to be accessible and it to be available to everyone, whether you're from a grassroots organization, community development organization. Um, and so that, that kind of parable, the idea behind parable was for me to kind of come in and do that. And I suppose the parable of parable is that she, uh, uh, the lie steals truth's cloak and goes around the world dressed as the truth and parable dresses truth in story. And then she's well, truth is then once again welcomed by the villagers. So that's kind of my my approach is to try. Explain that one again. That sounds so, fabulous. Yeah. Actually, so the parable, the parable the is. The parable from the Bible. I, I, yeah, I yeah, yeah. So the parable is that, um, not that I, I'm not religious, but I, I just think it was a really good story that, so the lie and the truth were twins, apparently. Okay. And uh, the lie coaxed truth into a pool saying, let's go and swim in this pool together. Yeah. And the lie jumped out of the pool, stole truth's cloak. And yeah. went around the world dressed as the as the truth. So the lie travels through the world dressed as the truth and people yeah. accept it. And then truth, the naked truth, then who kind of comes out, who refuses to dress herself as the lie or take his cloak, uh, is lost. And apparently parable uh, finds her and takes pity on her and warms her and dresses her again in story, in her cloak. Yeah. And so she, truth, then goes back into the village dressed as the story. And is welcomed. And and the parable is, or the wisdom in that, is that when truth is dressed in a good story, people will welcome it. But people often can't welcome the naked truth. And that's oh, kind of what we do on the left. It is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. What really. we do on the left a lot of the time is we come at people with this kind of very uh, academic analysis. We come mm. at people with facts and figures, with percentages, with you know, well, no, actually, these are the facts. These are the facts. Yeah. And it doesn't resonate with people in the same way as the right story is the lie story, because they tell a really compelling story and they pull on, you know, parts of us that are really embedded in our in the way that we understand the world. And so we need to start to do that in order to have people on our side. And like over and over, messaging testing has shown that roughly 60 percent of all people are completely persuadable on issues. And that means not that they're in the middle between two opposing views, but that they contain both views at the same yeah. time, contradictory views at the same yeah. time. And whoever tells the most compelling story or frames it in a way that they understand will win the argument. And so, and we've seen that in Ireland before. I think we've seen it around the marriage equality referendum. We've seen mm-hmm. it around repeal, around how really good storytelling can convince people who we didn't think were persuadable before. Um and that we can act, we can actually pull on metaphors and frames that ha- allow people to have a progressive worldview, and, and we don't assume that they are inherently conservative. We give them the path 
um, out of it. So like I always say, you know, this idea of meet people where, where they are is bullshit. I'm like, you, we we don't meet people where they are. We instead, because there is no place where people are, but instead we focus on where people are capable of going. Um, and that's kind of what our approach should be as messaging on the left is understanding where we can bring people and, and, and what story we need to tell in order to bring people there. So actually a lot of my work focuses on what we say um, rather than what they say. And I think yeah. that's an important distinction that we need to make um, is that we need to look at our own communications and our own storytelling and our own metaphors. And quite often when we start to do that, we start to find how much of their message has made its way into our message. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of what it works on. And I put together this guide, which is what we were chatting about around this research that I did around how we can actually message homes for all in a way that pulls people away from the kind of the far right um, kind of messaging that that is being pushed onto our communities. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 interesting, but it's, I've been doing, it's been a really interesting piece of work I've been doing over the last year and watching community, I think community development workers in particular and activists and people who face oppression are much more open to this way of doing things because storytelling is actually, you know, people who people who wear the chains are much better able to articulate what needs to happen to get rid of them. Yeah, so, yeah that's that's the background, long yeah. winter background. No, no, it is. And, and it's something that, you know, I saw myself in terms of, again, having worked in community development for, you know, many years in Dolphins mm. Barn, that whole storytelling core was um i remember in terms of the spectacle of defiance the anti-austerity yeah. you know communication around that the whole concept remember at the time we claim in our future we developed the plan b and as an alternative to austerity um and it's interesting that yeah even within you know the housing stuff that we have been linking in for a number of years that whole mm. issue of messaging and you know we have talked about that and I've thought a lot about that in terms of even, you know, my new book and gaffes and all that. How, what story am I actually telling? And yeah. what are we trying to tell? Yeah. Um, and how do you, not, not what, yeah, how are you connecting with people and yeah. connecting with them in a way that can, I suppose, that they can relate to and then that shifts in what way they're thinking and how they see it. And Absolutely. And, it and, and the thing is, is that the, the, like, I think what we have to look at in our messaging is is both what the status quo messages say about the housing crisis and then what our kind of extreme opposition are starting to bring in that exploits what's going on. And what I often say is that if we don't articulate um, the villain or the, the, the decision makers and the decisions that they've made, it leaves a vacuum for these extremists to come in and blame blame anyone so like this is the thing is at the moment it's people who are seeking safety and asylum in ireland at other times like i was <laughs> i was reading an article this morning about how waterford aren't going to let anybody who or, or already doesn't let anyone who isn't from waterford doesn't have a link to waterford have um get on the the housing list and i was like and somebody wrote under it we need to look after our own and i was like i wonder does she mean people from waterford yeah so at, so it, in some ways like i talk a lot about this container metaphor that People are quite primed to understand this container metaphor because it's one of the ones that we we learn first. Like by the time we're two or three, we understand that we are a container, our home is a container. And then what the far right do is they pull on this idea of our country as a container and um, whiteness is a container. What do you mean by that as a container? So a container. So it means that it's something that has you know, four walls around something that ha it has the ability to have something that is within the container and something that is without the container. 
and that the container can then get full. So, for example, if we were to look at Ireland as a container, the right, the far right say that basically Ireland can be full. That was the thing that they that was trending. Ireland is full, right? And what we sometimes respond to that as advocates is we end up reinforcing that that's true. Like we will Mm. say things like, oh, Ireland only takes 0.03% of the world's refugees. We actually don't take that many people. Actually, our asylum system is really complex and really hard to get in. And what we do when we repeat those frames is we, 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 we make people further believe that Ireland is full, that there is a container there. When we know actually, if we want to, we want to pull people far more into abundance that we have enough. We have enough land. We have enough bricks and mortar. We are, have enough people to do the building. Like if the decision makers made a different decision, we would have enough for everyone. And we often don't articulate that message. We we play into the idea that there is only so much to go around. Um, and so that's what they pull on. Um, and what we need to instead is talk about, and I think that like what you're doing very well is naming exactly who that is. It's the, it's the vulture funds. It's, um, corporate landlords. It's a government who, um, are complicit and who want to, um, support these people to make sure that we don't have enough and that they're the people that we constantly point the finger at. We need to constantly point the finger at those people. Um, and if we don't do that as the left, then the far right can come in and say, well, actually, it's the people coming into the country's fault. Mm. So that's where the kind of container stuff starts to, you can kind of start to spot it in a lot of messaging and in our messaging as well, a lot of the time. Yeah, no, because I remember, you know, just last, um, a couple of weeks ago, when the, the, we had the Raise the Roof protest, and I mm. remember being very struck at the time, the East Wall protests were going on. Yeah. Um, and it was it was interesting in the run up to the raise the roof stuff like on Twitter and that, and you know, Twitter is, is, I don't know how functional Twitter is going to remain into the future. I don't know. It's very interesting because I think it's, it's, I I tweeted this the other day. I think it's fundamentally changed since Musk took over in terms. It just doesn't seem to be working in the same way. And every response to my tweets now is a, is a right wing crank uh, or a troll. Totally. I mean, I, I mean, this is the thing is because it's been set up that way. And I think, like we have to be careful about having these conversations on social media. I would much rather like if everybody listened to this, who was going home for Christmas or who was seeing their families or, you know, went and spoke to people in real life. Yeah. We would have a much, much better chance of changing people's minds and yeah. persuading them. Yeah. Um, these You have to understand, we have to remember that these social media companies make money out of our anger and our fear and our, um, our, our want to kind of shape shape people down, yeah, and like that in itself is a manipulation of of the public discourse. I think, yeah, so, yeah, it is. It like is conversation. Yeah. It's an interesting one, and we're going to we're digressing slightly, sorry, uh, <laughs> slightly. But I actually do want to come back to it because as someone who spends quite a bit of mm. time on social media, you know, and, and uh, seeing, for example, Instagram uh, and increasing my use of Instagram because it's a very different form <laughs> of. Uh, yeah engagement but we'll come on and talk about it's that shortly. <laughs> um just i i was talking about the raise the roof um mm. protest i remember in the run-up to it that on social media on twitter there was you know there was a certain amount of you know i was saying you know if you know if you're angry you know about housing you should come to the raise the roof protest that yeah. is the, the direct place where we should be and that's yeah. the protest and i remember feeling you know very positive that we had this constructive place of protest where people yeah. could go to if they did feel angry yeah. and and feeling 
you know, if that wasn't, you know, and it was coincidental, you know, that it obviously was organized, but I think timing, yeah. the timing was quite important and had it not been there. And it kind of shows what you're saying that in terms of it's not just enough, I think, as well to make arguments that we actually have to offer spaces where people can be in a more constructive way, like yeah. the raise the roof yeah. movements and momentum. Totally. And, and articulate our vision for the future. I think sometimes, and I think that's why sometimes it can be so depressing to be on the left, is because we 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 very often fail to hold space for hope. First mm. of all, which I think is it's our job to give people hope. Yeah. Um. And we we then we also fail to articulate what we could have. Yeah. Um, and 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 I think we internalize a little bit ourselves that we can't have these things. We can't have yeah. homes. We can't have enough for everyone. And and that only benefits the billionaires and the millionaires and 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 the people who want to divide us. And so what I always say is like start any messaging with by articulating your vision for the future, which is we can have um we can have enough homes for everyone, whether they're people who live in our cities, people who come here seeking safety, people from the traveler community who need culturally affirming um accommodation. We can have all of that if the decision makers stop facilitating vulture funds, corporate landlords, stop blocking um, public homes when built on public land. It, we have to name that there are there are a small group of people who have an immense about, amount of power who are blocking us from having what we want and what we what we deserve. Um, and and I think it it one thing that has happened, and I think that the 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 kind of the progressive left have kind of facilitated as well. Is this idea that the, the housing crisis is going to be really, really difficult to solve? I think you've done a really good job of being like, well, actually, just X, Y, and Z needs to happen, yeah, um, or that, or that the issues are complicated, or that the government are trying to fix it. And I think that the, the that's the biggest thing that I, I hear that irritates me. What I hear, and I think I've said it myself. So what I mean is that like, why can't they just get their finger out and fix it? And it's like they're not trying to fix it. Like they're yeah. what they're doing they're being very successful in their strategy right now um which is to facilitate um is to facilitate the extreme extremely wealthy um through a, a massively distorted housing market that has been manipulated by blocking building public homes for public good and we we have to say that again and again and again um mm. and and make it make it salient in the in the public get everybody saying it because we do need people to blame i think that this kind of liberal approach as well of like you know, we all matter and everybody matters and it's no, nobody's fault. It's untrue. Like it is someone's fault. And I think like people, our brains are primed to believe, can, to believe that only if a human made it, can a human fix it. So we have to show the humans who are making the decisions that are blocking us from having what we all deserve. Um, so, I, I, yeah. Just there, there's back to, you know, how have the, and I, I know what you're saying, you know, you don't want to focus on what, the right and you know mm-hmm. those f- forces who have you know are, are being so successful and you call them trump or whatever or they mm-hmm. whatever you want to call them um the the alt-right or whatever they are um that they have what they're doing in in their frame as you said is tapping into something that is within people and in terms of, you know, not naturally within people, but in terms of how we've been socialized and educated in, mm. in, a, in our societies and particularly in neoliberal ones and yeah. deeply unequal ones and 
the values that are promoted and are ones of you know you know struck when you're thinking about that container thing that mm. you know in 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 deeply right wing societies almost in a certain sense you know and neoliberal ones and the more neoliberal you are like the uk and america you know the united yeah. states it's very much it's you your individual obviously some states even more so than others but it's just you you know it's you and your family you know yeah. your family against yeah. the world yeah um, and you have a right to bear arms against anybody and should bear your arms against yeah. anyone who walks onto your property and all that how that makes you think about the container in contrast there's other societies that think differently and i think in ireland we're kind of this weird mix of all sorts of cultures and ideas about that. You know, yeah. we don't, the dominant thinking is not, you know, get off my property with, and I'll shoot you if you don't, but yeah. there is, it is there. Yeah. Um, and how have they been successful to mobilize that? You know, what, what I suppose, yeah, before we go, like we have to learn something or, or see something or what are they doing? How, why they're successful. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think like a few things, I think if, as well, if you notice about like the communities that they have gone into to try and manipulate are some of the most, uh, the communities that were most affected by austerity, the, mm. the communities that were had the heart and soul ripped out of them. Um, and they know that the dominant narrative that is promoted, say, in, in, in our kind of our mainstream media and by our politicians doesn't name that and doesn't give people a voice to express what has been mm -hmm. taken from communities and they they show up and they give very simple answers um and they show up and they give answers that do speak to parts of us that are very very deep so yeah. say again that container like you learn you learn something like ten thousand metaphors to understand the world by the time you're three or four but the container is that is ten thousand yeah, believe it or holy not. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, because we need metaphors in order to understand kind of we attach basically We're a little shite, fact. get out of the fridge. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Exactly. He's like, oh, the shite is bad, so I'll get out of the fridge. <laughs> um, so 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 the containers like the first one, and I remember talking to somebody recently and she had a young child, she's like, Yeah, he's just starting to realize like that he's separate from me. Yeah. That's the first thing that you learn is that you are a container. Mm. Then you re then you learn that your home or your family is a container and that's mm. where you're safe. And that's where the things that are coming from outside that might want to hurt you can't get in. Right. Mm. So that's what they're that's what they're pulling on. They're going like straight to like parts of us that are really, really deep rooted. Um, and then we come in with facts and figures. Yeah. And we're like, there's no way that we're going to pull those people yeah. out of those frames. So what I would say instead is what we need to do is pull on an, on an equally um, compelling uh, idea, is which is that th we can expand this container if we need to, you know, so we can we can focus on a bigger we so that we can have what we want. We can have safe communities, whether or not we are living in our cities from the traveler community here seeking safety. So we, our job is to expand that container and then still direct people's very, very legitimate anger towards the people who are actually to blame. So, so that's why they are successful. The other reason why they're successful as well is that there has been huge amounts of money pumped into developing these playbooks um, by organizations in the US that who, who, who go and do this type of language research and find out exactly how people are going to respond to these types of frames. And then they get repeated. And then we see, you know, our very own fascists repeat them. Um, and I would also say as well as that, like liberalism, neoliberalism needs fascism to function. 
um, it needs uh, something to point at, to go, oh, don't look, we, we're not them. So so here's us, you know. Yeah. And and actually our job is to articulate an entirely different worldview. So, so yeah, in terms of your question of why are they successful in Ireland, I think they can be successful anywhere. Um, and I think that they, they weren't as successful in Ireland um, as they were in the UK or the US initially, because I do think that we are quite a communitarian society, which meaning that we speak to each other about issues that matter. We do have um, some sense of, you know, I think our patriotism is is rooted in, well, some of our patriotism is can be rooted in internationalism and anti-oppression. Yeah. There's quite a bit of our patriotism that isn't as well. Yeah. And Irish people have, have been, you know, bought into the idea of whiteness and liberalness and being part of the European Union. And we have now started to incorporate ourselves into that kind of global whiteness narrative. I think that is that is really unhelpful. But what I do think that there is hope in is that Irish people do talk to each other, you know, and we do have conversations about things that matter. I know Emma Dabry, I was just listening to her, she was talking about getting into a taxi and like the quality of the conversation you have with taxi drivers in Dublin versus London, you know? Yeah. And that gives me hope because we can speak to each other and pull people back towards the sets of values that are going to help them to be progressive and to be inclusive. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree that there is, you know, I, I do feel um, hopeful in in the sense that, you know, I do feel that, you know, we've gone through so much in terms of, you know, oppression and I'm not just talking about colonialism, but mm. in particular, you know, the church abuse state abuse yeah. own families abuse you know an abusive conservative side and i even think of all the you know oh, geez, even the most bullshit about the asylum seekers being like you know male rapists and i'm going fucking family well, I mean, that's the old churches oldest trick in the book like if you look back at like there's writings from the from the 19th century um about jewish communities in eastern europe and like the first thing that they would look at um is like where preachers starting to talk about uh talk about sexual violence from jewish people and that was when they knew that they needed to get the hell out um so it is literally one of the oldest tricks in the book and it's also extremely interesting to watch these very far right fascists suddenly care about women <laughs> like yes it's like oh i didn't realize that, you know you you actually you actually cared um, but yeah, it's one of those things they know again that they're pulling on safety. They're pulling on people's deepest feelings around safety. Um, and, and, and that's, and, and if we show up and say like, like, you know, well, actually, did you know that asylum seekers commit crime at a less, at a lower rate than Irish people, which is true. Um, we're just pulling, we're just going into the crime frame. We're just reinforcing, uh, that. So we need to pull people right back out of that again. Um, and, and articulate our own worldview. But yeah, yeah. It's the oldest trick in the book. Yeah, but it, it, something about as was where it's coming from is that you know we have changed so much, and people see this and have experienced it relatively recently. That I think that there's such been such values change in Ireland, and mm. and you know we've we've opened up and have become you know through a lot of campaigning and through a lot a lot of work, um you know on people in communities and activism, you know the women's movement in particular mm. have led this around you know, repeal of marriage equality were because of the nature of those campaigns, you know, and I think a lot of social justice work as well, there is an understanding of, you know, and, and, a, and a sense that we are a country that cares about people in, in the broadest sense. And, and as you said, we have these conversations and it's, we've 
you know, for every little conversation around the country about, you know, that goes on about people say, you know, well, we need to do something here. We need to so in a positive way that that, that yeah. adds to it. And I think you're so right that and there is a real hope that and I think in particular, you know, in younger generations, but across the generations that there is a demand for a different type of, of, of country in Ireland that's in a progressive form. Um, and we're we're also a country that isn't that it wasn't made and, and Fintan O'Toole makes this point, you know, we're not fixed or completed as a country that yeah. we're still in a process of Flux. of nation making. We're still divided, you know, that there's not a, so it, we are different in that sense, which does gives us, gives us opportunities for hope. But in the other senses, as you make it very clear, we are also a country that is, is open to potential um, rise in the far right and absolutely and the Irish have always had this duality in yeah. us you know that like we went to the United States and we became completely complicit in white supremacy yeah. like, there's this great book how the Irish became white and yeah. how we embraced whiteness because it gave us power and we became cops and we became city managers and there is there's 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 a duality and it's always been, there's always been a kind of, you know, they always say that the, 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 the 1916 movement, like that was a minority of, you know, internationalist revolutionaries, radicals and anarchists and, you know, um, and that the majority of us were quite happy, are quite happy to, to look for power. And that, that is a very human thing is to try and, and go with the thing that gives you power rather than the, the thing that is, is, is in solidarity and all that kind of thing. However, we can articulate a view of what it is to be Irish or what it is to be um, a caring person in a good community and pull people more towards those sets of values. Because I think the duality exists in everybody mm, in Ireland. And does, yeah. Like one thing that I would say as well, even about our big social movements about repeal and marriage equality, is that we always should have articulated race within that better. And um, because the thing is, is, if we don't articulate thing, our worldview on race and immigration, the right will fill those blanks for us. Yeah. So what I often say and what's in this in this guide is that we need to name race explicitly and in, in a way that is positive and that like no matter who we are or where we come from, we all deserve a home. I, you know, I'm talking about the 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 positive values of, of us being a multi-ethnic society, of us having diversity and difference. And I often talk about the metaphor of like a forest, like a forest is, is strong because it is diverse. Ecosystems are strong when they are diverse. And I think we need to remind ourselves as Irish people or as white Irish people, white settled Irish people, actually, that that, you know, the way that power works like and and uh, for a long time we were the ones without power. But when you get power. You also have to examine yourself and examine yourself as oppressor as well as oppressed and um, but give people that positive vision of what we could be. And use the kind of communitarian society that we have. Like there's, you know, like Ireland and India apparently are very similar in terms of being a post-colonial nation that still has very high community. There's this index basically of how much people talk to each other in a society, yeah, big, yeah. big issues. And Ireland is quite high on that list. And um, that is why we've had these big progressive wins is because, you know, grandchildren were ringing their grandparents and saying, you know, talking about stuff. And so I don't think we're quite, we're not quite in the neoliberal hellscape that we're starting to see emerge in the US and the UK, but the potential is there, especially if we start to value our whiteness over our identity as internationalists, as people who suffered oppression, who um, want to be in solidarity with with others, you know. Yeah. Um, and we can go either way, depending on who tells the right story, who has the better story cloak, as I say, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it, it's fascinating and it's so important the the story idea and the you know the like I'm really struck by that you know what you're saying there that in terms of what you know the far right and and, and the right are doing is you know pulling on that the heartstring of you know the child the feeling as a child and the, mm. the need for protection and the need for safety and mm. and you also said the simple they come in with a very simple message and I and I. I'm wondering, you know, you're saying there the communitarianism is, you know, and the idea that there's enough for all of us. You know, and obviously I I make those cases and I make <laughs> them all the time, but I'm still not fully convinced they're enough that there's something else that, you know, particularly around that that like where is that feeling that we can tap into? Yeah, there that, has to be anger. There has to be space for anger. There has to be space for protest. Um, you know, like it is not enough to come in and tell people there's enough for everybody and leave them there. Like we have to articulate what we have to do in order to get enough. Um, and that is holding our holding this government to account. That is joining the tenants unions. That is speaking to everybody that you can. Um, about- and, and it's also, of course, you can't leave people, as you said earlier, in terms of being devastated by austerity. Oh. Um you know, you can't leave people who are in homelessness for months on end mm. and their families and their extended families. Like I was doing research there and there was in the region of 4,000 um, families presented as homeless in Dublin in the last two and a half years. 4,000. Um, and they are overwhelmingly going to be from communities that are disadvantaged yeah um and you you think of that each of those is going to have family so you're talking about tens of thousands of people directly having family members who are experiencing homelessness yeah who is standing in with them on a daily basis and saying you know look we're working to make this better and you Mm -hmm. know here are solutions and it's just you how can you expect people just to stay like that Absolutely. And, and, and like, not erupt and not totally. And this is the thing as well as like we're like, I think what we're looking at is like a s- systemized traumatization of the population because traumatized people, it, it's very difficult when you're traumatized to organize and to, you know, do all of the things that are necessary to to bring about change. And I think that it's not by I, like, I mean, I know I, I don't think it's by accident. And what we're looking at is is an entire generation of children who have been traumatized by the state by state violence in this way and i think like again like what is it what is our job as community development workers as activists as advocates our job is to get is to is to find hope um and that can be very very difficult and i think and i felt like spectacle spectacle it was spectacle of defiance and hope actually yeah remember, yeah, yeah it was yeah and yeah. i learned this from Rita, i learned from i know i learned from Rita Fagan, um which is which is you have to you meet people in their in in the position that they're in and walk the path with them as much as you can in terms of getting the material needs and and finding um as much as much as you can to help them and and then you also you know she says you know yeah you, you educate to organize you organize to politicize you politicize to analyze like it's it's a it's a whole process that we have to go through um as oppressed people to to go from what your immediate needs are 
to, to having an analysis and to being politicized and to organize and to protest. Um, and it's a long path and it's a long journey and it's really difficult, which is why it's so hard sometimes to compete with these fascists who come into our communities and say, I'll tell you exactly who's to blame. That fell over there, do you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and can be really, really difficult because it's it, it it's not there aren't the solutions are easy, but the path to it takes um takes a lot you know yeah and it's funny as well because you know the, the messaging thing and about you know because the conspiracy theory stuff mm. it's like like i know some people who would have been you know anti-austerity and and you know you'd say almost anti-capitalist to a certain yeah. extent going down those rabbit holes yeah. and then because you know because to say you've been told a lie is what they say, and I would say the same thing. People are being told lies, yeah, and manipulated, yeah. They're being manipulated, and and it's something that strikes me. You know that simple messaging, and I'm always in uh, thinking of everything. You know the media stuff I'm doing and and communications all the time around housing is. It's like I feel you know I want to say this in a simple way, and I want to say this in a way that will impact. And there's a fine line between you know calling lies and saying something and then you yourself going okay where am i drawing the line between lying is the wrong word but mm. like trying to say you know you say say things in simple ways and then they become so simplified that you go is this reality or am i saying yeah yeah else? yeah and i think that's a difficult one because we do need to say that and, and then if i came and said oh you know the government are a bunch of liars then I'm, you know, that's the last time I'm on media. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Well, I think, and like, that's the thing, but I, what I always say is open with a shared value or open with a shared vision, which is the first thing, which is something that we do that the right will never do because actually they don't have a vision. Um, and so like, like some of the stuff that I've written in this um in this messaging guide is to, is like start with that. So start with the shared experience of the shared value, which is like, no matter who we are, where we come from, all of us have had to search for a safe place to call home or all of us deserve a safe home, which is like a value. Like we have values that they don't. So it's important yeah. for us to start with that. Then we go into who is to blame, which is like what landlords, vulture funds and property developers are throwing up roadblocks to building affordable public homes so that they can profit. There's no lie there. Yeah. Um, and what's worse is this government are choosing to let them do it, you know? So, and then rearticulate the vision again, which is we need public homes that let us steer the different paths we're on. We can easily build communities that respects the cultural traditions of travelers that responds to the need of people who live in our cities and towns. And that makes people seeking asylum feel safe, welcome and included. So that is a simple message, but it, it's laden with values it inoculates against racism because we name race and we give our version and vision of race and it creates an us and not them. So we we create a bigger container, basically, which is all of us who have needs and the, and the outside of it are those who are making the decisions. Um, and so I think that that is that that's the point is that like we don't want to. The point isn't to be so simple and pithy and, you know, punny as possible. Like, that's not the point. The point is to deliver a message that connects with people and mm. connects with people's values. Um, and I think that's why it's so important that we articulate our vision and our values, because at the end of the day, those people who are on the far right and whatever near right conservative status quo, they don't have a vision to offer. They've got nothing to offer, actually, apart from fear and anger. And so we can win if we offer a vision 
um, for something. Um, and that's also like with understanding the, the very, very real realities that people are facing. You know, people are living in horrific conditions. We're heading towards tenements more and more as each day passes. And so we also have to hold space for anger and direct anger at the people who are actually making the decisions. Yeah. Yeah. No, I um, think so. Yeah. And, and and I think it to me, it it's it highlights the importance of the raise the roof, you know, protests and, and you know, creating those spaces that people can express the anger. And in all the conversation that the target is and the cause is named very clearly, you know, and, yeah. and in that that you're so right that it is naming the cause of this. Um, and and then that vision and that hope that you know that this there is another way to do this and there is another way of being and the the hope as well as that I have is that you know as we talked about earlier that you know younger people in particular and what have we called young whatever people in the twenties and thirties and um uh, you know and increasingly across the generations but I would say definitely have values which are very different in terms of thinking about society and the world big time than you know older generations and and i think that there is huge change coming from that and will come from that and but those generations also have to engage in changing things as they are now and that is the challenge in terms of you know as you say getting involved in the likes of katu you know the tenants union in campaigns and trade unions in that the far right are organizing and therefore yeah. we have to as well and that's and we are you know and we are yeah absolutely and, it is it's happening that gives me a huge amount of hope yeah. like how also like how very radical ideas are like very commonplace in people yeah. in the 20s and 30s because i mean like what i made i mean i'm 33 now i lived through that the 2008 recession i lived but before that had been promised all of the things that you know you know you'll grow up and you'll get a house and you'll do this and then it all yeah. fell apart and all fell you know yeah so i think that we have an inherently anti-capitalist view because capitalism has failed us and kicked us around so much yeah. that it's kind of impossible for us to believe in it because we've went and got we did we played the, we played the game we went and we did our university degrees we 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 did everything we were told to do and we're still you know all living in flat shares in precarious employment um and watching things only get worse. So I think that that, 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 that is, that is hopeful in so much as we are slightly inoculated against this idea that capitalism will deliver us from, um, from the pain that we're currently experiencing because we know that capitalism caused it. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I'm hopeful in that as well. And I think, I think there are so many reasons to be hopeful. Um, whilst also acknowledging the current realities you know yeah that's the point of hope actually is is to you know and and there was a guy i was speaking at the irish architecture foundation last week and he was a, a, a an older guy a green um it's sustainability background and he he's quote someone said to act is to hope yeah and exactly. i was like i don't know if you know where that quote is from no no, I I must look it up. But Is anyway, I thought I, I was like, wow, that because I was actually feeling a bit like, oh, my God, you know, these some days, you know, of course you do in weeks. You're like, Jesus, what's the point? Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and he just said that. And I was like, yeah, actually, even action, you feel hope. And totally taking action together, building community together. Yeah. And that's the thing as well is that like I often I'm in those really dark. I remember after Oscar Trainer when we 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 won and then a year later the, the, we lost. I remember yeah. just been in such a hole. 
and being like, what even is the point? Like, even when we throw everything at it and we win, it's still, you know. And so my friend was like, who wants you to feel that way? Like, who benefits when you feel that way? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. You know, I know that it's those, it's the people, it's those private developers. They want the people who fight to feel hopeless. And so that, yeah. you know, like lefties were all a bit kind of like, well, feck you. I was like, I won't feel hopeless. I'm going to keep my hope. Um, <laughs> And also see what was won within what was lost as well. Yes, exactly. I think it's something that we often, like, even when we win, we want to lose sometimes, you know, that kind of way. Yeah. And so, like, yeah. we may have lost, we may have lost an Oscar trainer, but we may, but I think we we won the argument. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and we and we showed that most people wanted public homes and public land by far, um, and it also helped us diagnose the problem in a more nuanced way and in a way that helps us win the next time. And so. I think that's it. It's like we need each other. We need each other to maintain hope and to have joy. And, you know, what's that quote? If you can't dance, I don't want to be part of your revolution. Like we need to keep that um, even in the even in the, the heaviness of what we're facing, because yeah. these fascists and the status quo politicians benefit from our lack of hope. Yeah. Um, and, so that's and, and, and there is real you know, when you look at the values and the values change, like I talk about this, like that, you know, it, what I was saying and what I'm saying, what we're saying now, you know, two or three years ago, even pre-COVID, yes, there was support for it, but nothing like now, like the broad acceptance, like even amongst the business people and all that, that you need social housing. And <laughs> it's just like, okay, and this is great. So, you know, it shows we have actually, made major change in terms of cultural attitudes yeah um now that has to be translated into policy but it is starting you know housing totally. and I, mean, I remember i remember when this started out when i was i was on placement in st michael's estate when you know way before the kind of the all of the la all of the public land in dublin was up for a debate like i remember like like you know what we would have thought of as left wing parties saying like oh we got it up from 10 percent social housing to 20 percent social housing isn't that yeah. great and now yeah. it's like they're almost competing to see, you know, who can build build the most, what party's going to deliver the most. And like, while we still, we have to hold every single elected representative's feet to the fire on this stuff, like it's not going to, it's the power of campaigning, of grassroots campaigning that has led that to that space, to, to yeah. politicians to that space. And so it's quite easy for us to forget how effective we have been. Um, and I think as a movement, you know, it's, for, uh, from everything to Apollo House to Cato to the Irish Housing Network to, you know, raise the roof to everything. I think that we are an effective, very effective movement. We have to remember that and have joy in that. Um, whilst also being honest about the realities that we're facing that many of the people that we love and care about are facing, you know, yeah, but not get yeah. lost in that, not get lost in the fact that it it can never change because it can change. You know? Absolutely, absolutely, it can. And even like, I was thinking, you know, even people who've come along with us, like Blind Boy and people yeah. like that, you know, <laughs> who've, and who did, you know, his, his live show in Vicar Street in November, early November. And it was just incredible, like, you know, whatever, a thousand people. And they were, you know, all completely behind, you know, in terms of the need for change and housing and radical change on it and looking for it. And of course, they're, they are the generation living in it, but it's not automatic that people would think no. okay we need to shift in a direction towards public housing and towards proper tenants rights and towards a right to housing but we have absolutely shaped the narrative and yeah. um and i think that you know in that that's what we have to take the hope from that yeah. you know we are shaping that and i 
kind of feel at a certain level that that will embed a longer, deeper change. Definitely. You know? And and for us not to wobble too much when we see the kind of the fascists come in. Yeah. Um, and not to panic. And I, I have to laugh at me saying this, like my initial thing was to panic. Do you know what yes. I mean? It's <laughs> like yeah. me giving advice. Um, but to to remember that we can stay the course. And it's amazing to watch all of these welcome groups now, like East yes. for All, Tala for All, coming together and doing that really beautiful grassroots organizing. And and for us not to move, not to be feel pressure to move at their speed, that these that they, they may have temporary success, but if we have deep organized movements resourced movements um we we will win and and it's important to remember that and for us to continue to organize and to be led by people who are most affected and to um continue to shape the narrative even though so much so many of the odds are stacked stacked against us um yeah it's important to stay grounded in that and continue to tell our vision of the world and not repeat their narrative that's the last thing i was going to say the some of the narratives of friend this is a housing crisis not a refugee crisis it's important that we don't do that too much either because we don't want to link the housing crisis with the refugee crisis or refugee with the housing crisis so like a lot of the time like uh, people on the left will say things like seeking asylum is not a crime but all we do when we negate in that way is link asylum and crime so I think it's a much better a much better way to approach that is we can all have what we need if those at the top stop hoarding it um, and not feed into their frame. I think that's the the, the only da- biggest danger that lies in this for us is a small minority group of people with extremist messaging um, being successful and us starting to repeat their messages because yeah. we actually we are bigger. Uh, we actually have more of a platform in a lot of a way. So as long as we don't repeat that stuff, um, I think we will be OK. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I agree. Absolutely. And and I think the necessity as well for, you know, continuously, uh, you know, and I think taking on as well directly the claim that, you know, protesting over refugees is going to do something on housing, that it will do nothing on housing, they, you know, and, they, I, and these people have no, like I say, they have nothing they don't to care offer. about housing. They don't they care about homeless people. They don't people. care they about don't... housing. They don't care about women. They don't care about any of these things that they're yeah. claiming to care about. There are a bunch of like, for bonds for red losers who like just want our grifters, you know, they want a little bit of power for themselves, or maybe they might make a little bit of money off their uh, and they very clearly you know? have an ideological perspective, which is one of you know, they are very clearly anti-immigrant and, and of far right perspectives and, and politics. So it's not just they're not just losers, they're actually people yeah. who have a political agenda. Definitely, um, yeah. And one that that you know uh, is deeply, deeply dangerous. And, and you know, I think that what what I think <laughs> it is the way forward, I think, is offering the hope and it is being with people and saying, look, this is, you know, we we are with you in trying to get homes and we will, you know, push. And because the real reason people can't get homes and are homeless is not yeah. asylum seekers or refugees, but it is because, you know, we have a government who hasn't built social housing in your community for 30 years, you yeah. know, who, who abandoned your communities. And there is a different way to do this. And of course, the other thing that, you know, migrants and refugees are workers alongside us. There are families, there are, they are us. They Absolutely. Were, you know, I said to one woman, actually, it was a my Sometimes I get it deep into the comment section just to see, you know, uh, I said to one woman, I was like, as far as you know, there could be a, a fella in there who's amazing at organizing protests. And that's why he had to leave his own country. And, <laughs> We could be protesting together for homes. Exactly. And so what are you doing standing outside that building? What are you doing? You know? Yeah. And um, and so it is important for us to make that distinction between the people who have been manipulated and brought in by it 
And yeah. like you say, those people who have a fascist worldview and exactly. trying to capitalize yeah. on anything. And actually, I have a friend who works in a similar way in Hungary. And obviously, you know, you know, Hungary has become so fascist um, that there's very few migrants in the country. And I was like, well, who do people blame now? She's like, homeless people. No, yeah. they blame homeless people. And it doesn't matter. It could be homeless people. It could be trans people. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like they will find a minority to blame because that is all they have. Of to course, offer. it's been travelers here as well for, exactly. for many, many exactly. decades. You know, that there this is. It's not new. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, Leo Varadkar's narrative along the way has been sure homeless people are to blame themselves. Exactly. You know, it's been for the crisis and and you know and of course at an even bigger narrative there is you know millennials are blamed for not saving, too much avocados you know? yeah you know <laughs> that, and, and there is this you know it is it's that thing of there's always someone to blame and yeah we have to say well actually the real and you're right that there needs to be a pointing of finger and say no actually the blame is is in our yeah. policy yeah. and government and, and those who benefit from the current situation and there is a hope in 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 the uh in a different way of doing things a very different way of doing things well listen yeah. emily thanks so much for coming on Absolutely thanks a million rory great conversation and so important and thank you so much for all your work oh and the same to you and everyone listening as well if anyone's going home or whatever the, it's on the website parable uh if you if you google par- parable messaging for all um it'll prime you to be able to have those conversations with your aunties and uncles and whoever else is coming at you with this stuff so <laughs> very good very good and the other one in terms of helping you with your messaging is the book gaffs that'll help yes you and housing. the book gaffs as well yeah right it would be a double act um, right. um and actually there's also a group east wall here for all if people want to go check that out um they are a community group who are developing solidarity and allyship with the new community of East Wall, the new members. So you can check them out. Yep. And I know there's Tala lots of groups. all as well. There's a Tala group as well and a Fromoy group too. So yeah, and and of course all the uh, the raise the roof and as we said, Katu as well. Um, and yeah, so listen, a very uh, he- healthy and hopeful 2023 ahead, Emily, for yeah. you. Yeah, same to you, Rory. (laughs) Thank you so much. We'll talk to you all very soon.